The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide uh, with our very special host, highly acclaimed, world-renowned local author of note, Howard Linsky. Hello, Howard. Hello, mate. You said those words exactly as I wrote them. Thank you. (laughs) Your handwriting sometimes is difficult to decipher, but I think I've got it that time. Well remembered. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, what we do with the old film guide is we look at Howard's choice of the best films to watch on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We'll also look at a film that Howard has dubbed Too Good to Be Forgotten. Uh, But before that, we'll look at new releases on the um, streaming services and uh, in the cinemas. Uh, so let's start with cinemas. Uh, where are we going first? We are going to start with a knock at the cabin, quite literally. That's the name of the film, but it's also a, a key moment in the trailer. It's about um, a, a family, basically, of two men and their daughter, who's still quite young, and they go away. The idea is they're having a holiday. It's going to be somewhere a little bit um, isolated, and they're in a cabin, and the idyllic uh, situation is threatened by a knock at the cabin door. Uh, followed by someone bursting through the cabin door, tying up the two guys and telling them that they have a choice to make. One of them has to be sacrificed in order to prevent the apocalypse. So it's a completely bonkers um, setup, uh, as you might expect, for a psychological horror film directed by M. Night Shyamalan. So, so yeah, there th- you are. He wrote the screenplay as well, based on a book. Some some of his films I have enjoyed greatly, but the thing is, he's kind. Is this fair to say? He's variable, I think. He's, is the word. <laughs> well, but he's very much a, a one-trick pony, mm. you know. And and you know that his films will contain a massive twist. And you you and now I find myself watching his films, looking out for the massive twist. Ah. And that more often than not, I've spotted it. I've well, spotted it early this, on. This will be interesting because apparently it's based on a book, but I believe he's changed the ending of the book. So maybe there's your twist, right? But, uh, Yes, I know exactly what you mean by that. Because, of course... Sometimes you don't spot the twist. No, The Sixth Sense had a massive twist in the end. It's a fairly well-known one. I'm not going to spoil it now. No, no, but it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh, Then you also had... um, The Village. The Village. Yeah. I guessed that in the opening minutes, Ah. but then sort of forgot I guessed it until right near the end when (coughs) Ah. it came true. And I thought... Yes, I thought that, ah. um, and and you know, and and with these other ones as well, you know, you you sort of, yeah, it, it seemed to me like he did a TV series called Wayward Pines, which was based on a series oh, of yes, novels. I've heard of that, yeah, and, and it was very good. It felt a bit Twin Peaks esque. Um, in a, it was set in a small town in that part of America, and so that it had that. Going I've learned on. over the years to avoid small town America. Have you? I mean, normally if there's a small town <laughs> yeah. in America, yeah. either there's something very devilish and evil going on, or there's a femme fatale. Yeah, who da- wants me to kill her husband? Da- yeah, <laughs> David Lynch isn't really the the, the 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 best sort of for the for the small town America tourist board, is he? Not not really. No, but it's uh, good for cherry pie and coffee. But yeah, not, not for small town America. That's it. But but <clears> yeah, but again with that TV series that M Night Shyamalan did, it, it was. Um, uh, you know, you could. There was a, you got a sense that there was this twist, and and it was about an FBI bloke who suddenly wakes up in this little town, oh. and he he can't quite remember how he got there, or he thinks he can remember how he got there, but he can't seem to get out. And one of the things at the end of the first episode is he's driving on the road out for for, for like hours, and eventually he comes to a sign that says "Welcome to Wayward Pines," and he's oh, right. back in the he's town that he thought he, Pines, yeah. he'd left, and <clears throat> and his his partner went missing seven or eight years ago, his FBI partner, and she's there in the town. And it's, yeah, it, it, and it's, it's I, all, I must admit, the way you say it, it sounds quite intriguing. It is, but it's it really will all intriguing. depend on the ending, won't it? Like well, all these things, the setup sounds good. Well, the massive twist they revealed halfway through the first series. Um, and, but in the series of books, it was at the end of the first book. There's three books. Ah. And it was the end of the first book that revealed the big twist. Right. Uh, okay. but, but it's just, like I say, I, I just feel with his stuff now, 
I'm watching it thinking it's going to be a little bit dark, it's going to be a little bit yeah. thriller-esque, and there's going to be a massive twist. And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm spending you all spend my time. all your energy trying to work out that massive twist. Yeah, and yeah, not I'm appreciating the rest of it. Yeah. But, uh, well, well, it'd be interesting to see what the reviews are like on this one. It's got um, Dave Bautista in it. Oh, yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, amongst other things. And he was also yeah. in the... Uh, the the, the uh, new uh, Benoit Blanc movie as yes. well, the Glass Onion. So he's done that. a few things with Daniel Craig. Cause he was also Inspector, wasn't he? Oh yes, he was. Wasn't yeah. he? Yes, got kicked out of a train. Uh, and and, yeah. uh, and the Rupert other... Grint's in it as well. Yeah, I was going to say that's the only other name I recognise in there. Yeah. But uh, there you go. Knock at the cabin out on Friday the third of February. Yeah. Uh, also out on uh, Friday the third is Puss in Boots: The yes. Last Wish. Yes, a gritty film noir if ever I've heard of one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd almost forgotten actually that Puss in Boots is part of the Shrek franchise. Yeah that he was in that so it's classed as the sixth installment in the Shrek franchise it is the sequel to the spin-off film Puss in Boots where Puss in Boots clearly left the band and went solo and uh, I did I, I, you know initially so, I thought, so popular because that one came out what 12 years ago uh, yes, yes, it took a while for the for the second instalment. Gosh, it was it was it that long? But you're absolutely right. 2011, um, and Shrek was 2004. Wow, gosh, the years just fly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's got Antonio Banderas in it, reprising his role as the titular character, and Salma Hayek in it, playing Kitty Softpaws. Uh, also, they, stars. they do a lot of films together. Yeah. Salma Hayek and Antonio going on between those two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that for legal reasons, but but no, they, they oh, they're in a lot of films together. Yeah, yeah a bit of chemistry there. Um, anyway, uh, they're also joined by Harvey. I know I'm sure how to pronounce his surname, but is it Gwilin? Harvey Gwilin. Uh, Florence Pugh's in it. Always good. Olivia Coleman. Obviously, Olivia Coleman's in it. She has to be in everything. Bless her. Um, Ray, Ray Winston's in it as well. Um, they're all voicing various characters. And what I liked about the setup on this one, because I started reading it to see what the plot was about, and it says, In the town of Del Mar, renowned hero and outlaw Puss in Boots, Boots sorry, hosts a party at the governor's home and accidentally awakens the nearby sleeping giant of Del Mar. Puss subdues the giant and saves the town but is fatally crushed by a bell, which sounds like a bit of a downer until you read on and it says, Puss wakes up in hospital where a doctor informs him he has used eight of his nine lives and suggests he <laughs> retires from adventuring. <laughs> oh, that was a lovely twist. Oh. So maybe that'll be fun, you know. Okay. Kids of all ages, including mine, I don't know. Now, you know how you were asking um, how many films of Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek I was together? asking that, yes. Yeah. Well, you were asking, asking it with it. your eyes. I was, I yeah. was, yeah. Um, so according to this, one, two, three, four, five, six, they've done nine films together. Wow. Um, oh, gosh. And, uh, I mean, actually, I was half joking. Are they a couple of I mean, who, me. I don't really follow who's gone out with who in Apparently Hollywood. Apparently, so. they've been friends for nearly 30 years. Oh, good for them. Um, yeah. but, That's uh, lovely. Yeah, uh, I believe he's been... Isn't he married to Melanie Griffith? Do you know, I don't even know. I, well, I he say. was married to her. <coughs> yeah, certainly. I mean, the thing with Hollywood is that um, for them, whereas most people say we're celebrating our you know, silver wedding anniversary or whatever, if, if um, celebrities in Hollywood have been together for three years, it feels a bit like that. Right, you know. So, oh, apparently, uh, no. According to this, no, it's five movies, not nine. That they listed some that uh, were just her. Oh, okay, inexplicably. <coughs> right, um, but yes. Yeah, so they they did Once Upon a Time in Mexico. <coughs> oh, I remember that, which one, was yes. the follow up to Desperado. Yeah, which they did also together. Uh, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over. What a classic! Yeah, uh, Frida. <laughs> They right. were oh yeah Frida Kahlo that was yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in that as well and a film called Four Rooms um, where he played man and she played TV dancing girl that's not the Quentin Tarantino thing is it Four Rooms so, uh, maybe I'm wrong well, the way he did an early movie where he split split up the uh, story into four bits but uh, yeah sorry I throw these things at you don't I and uh, 
you expected a kind of encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's possible... Oh, did he do ah, a segment of it? Yeah, right. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez did a segment of it. Yeah, there you go. Um, and Quentin Tarantino did Tarantino's a segment. Tarantino's one yeah. was about well, a guy who may or may not lose his finger if a bet goes wrong. Right. And they have to put, they have to bribe, appear rather, or bribe, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the what do they call them, bellhops or something in America, right. don't they? But the yeah. guy delivering the, the, uh, the, the baggage to the room. And the idea is that if this room... If this bet goes wrong, someone's going to lose a finger, and he's the, the peer guy to cut this guy's finger off. If the bet goes wrong, I remember that, and it's bonkers, but it sticks in the mind. Did Woody Allen do one of them, or am I making this up completely? Uh, no, you've you, you, you've you've gone one I've gone step too, too far. far there. Have I? Yeah, I've, no. I've, 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 yeah. The, the two direct of the four directors, um, yeah. the two that I recognise are Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, right, okay. Because yeah. Robert Rodriguez, who I always find interesting, because he's done some really kind of gruesome Tarantino-esque yes. movies including Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico yeah. and the very successful Spy Kids franchise I know it's weird isn't it what a contrast yeah I, I, did I'm he sure do the vampire thing as well with Quentin Tarantino as an actor was that from yeah, Dust Till Dawn yeah from Dust Till Dawn he, no yeah. he directed it and Tarantino yeah, I mean. was the yeah, actor yeah. Tarantino was acting in yeah. it and George Clooney with played the other brother that's it Yeah, um, and Harvey ah, that's a great little film from it's Dust Till Dawn it? and it, it, you think it's one kind of movie then it goes a complete tangent oh, it's, it's not a heist movie anymore it does it's a real handbrake turn doesn't it yeah yeah it's so weird. Yeah. You can almost hear the screech of the tyres as it changes from yeah. one to other. Juliette Lewis was Harvey Keitel's daughter in it, wasn't yeah. she, if I remember rightly? Yeah. No, it's a, it was a great, uh, great film. Love that movie. Yeah, it was good fun. But yeah, yeah and, and uh, Sin City as well was Robert Rodriguez, wasn't it? was, it? yes. Um, <coughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, he, yeah, very interesting director who, I'm sure I saw in an interview that he did the Spy Kids movies because he wanted to be able to do something that his kids could watch ah. because none of his other stuff is suitable for kids. Fair enough, yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway uh, yes <laughs> what a tangent so Puss, Puss in Boots The Last tangent. Wish yeah. Yeah. Uh, is... oh yeah we were talking about that weren't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, so... we are increasingly sounding more like two men in a pub just going off on tangents you know not specifically fitting in with the films we're supposed to be talking about I mean about. it's it's there or thereabouts it's there or thereabouts yeah, anyway a great great uh, voice cast I mean this, the Shrek movies have been fairly well received yeah, I, I, think so. I imagine this one will be have a similar appeal yes uh, there you Absolutely. go. That's uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Now, the final film we're mentioning this week uh, may not be on it, on in as many cinemas as the first yes, two we've mentioned, so. but it I, is out I, on Friday I, as well. To be fair, I did wonder whether it was worth a mention, but it might appear somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and it was on but, the But it kind of touches on to a subject area that I'd imagine you'd, you'd have a degree of an affinity yeah, with. Yeah, I'm just looking at the it's about a British first writer. line, which includes the words guilt, paranoia, envy and self-hatred. So, well, yeah. I, I was looking Thanks at for that, British, yeah. British writer. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was the first yeah. bit. The film's so, called Husband. Indeed. British writer. Deborah Baum has just published her first book. Yes, I remember that a long time ago. A Guide to Feelings Like Killed Paranoia, Envy and Self-Hatred. So she goes off to the US to promote the book with various public events. And she's a bit worried because she's going to be up there with some intimidating academics and fellow writers. She has to go with two small kids in tow and she's very stressed. Uh, But she thinks her husband Josh can help her. Unfortunately, he decides to make a film about the whole trip. And before long, the feelings laid bare in her book get played out between them revealing how much remains stubbornly unreconstructed in their supposedly progressive coupling i'm quoting from the release here it's not my words uh, but apparently it's a very honest relationship comedy on the cusp between uh well what they call auto fiction and documentary and it's also a love letter to new york and literary life and then it says and uh modern marriage <laughs> so they're not sure about the modern marriage bit but more the new york and literary life but yeah that, it looks quite intriguing um 
I suspect it'll be a bit of a love or hate it kind of movie. You'll know after five minutes when you're in there whether you're loving it or hating it. Okay. But it looks quite interesting. That's Husband that is also out on Friday the 3rd of February. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time to look at new releases uh, on the uh, streaming services. Just one from Netflix this time around. Uh, and uh, it is called True Spirit, out on the 3rd of February. Yes, just the one, True Spirit. So it's based on a true story um, featuring uh, Jessica Watson, who was an Australian sailor who decided she would set out on a solo circumnavigation of the globe, um, sailing all the way around it. And she, <laughs> this was on 2009. Well, actually... She set off <clears throat> in October 2009 and came back in May 2010. But the key thing about her was she was just 16 at the time, which sounds absolutely amazing and bonkers at the same time. Caused a bit of a, a stir in real life because some people said, wow, isn't that incredible that this young girl's been allowed to do this? And others said, what on earth are her parents thinking letting her do this? Because obviously it's very dangerous. And she hadn't had a lot of experience of massive solo um, trips Um you know, well, literally on her own as a solo trip. Um, but she managed it. She got round, thankfully, uh, came back unscathed. And I've seen some documentary footage of her arriving back in um, Sydney in 2010. And the, the, honestly, Australia must have turned it out in force to welcome her. There was a huge flotilla of boats escorting her back. Um, thousands of people turned up. The Prime Minister arrived as well. To welcome her back so she's big story in australia i'm not quite sure how i missed it um at the time i, I yeah i must have been busy that day but um anyway the so true spirit is a fictionalized version of what she went through but she did do this uh, amazing solo seal technically i think she it's not classed as a full global circumnavigation because i think she accidentally shaved a little bit off the distance but i mean frankly who cares for her to do that at that age is remarkable yeah and importantly she survived so it's a happy ending big, big question um, though did her parents know did she sneak out because boy would point. she be grounded can you imagine yeah. yeah you're grounded for the rest of your own yeah. you turned 18 while you were away actually she was three days short of her 17th birthday when she came back wow and i have a 16 year old daughter i mean uh, there's no way i would allow to get in a boat um, on her own going anywhere let alone across the globe so it's just i mean it's such an amazing thought that she did this and I'm part impressed and part shocked she was ever allowed to. But, um, yeah, it's, I, might, I might even watch it, although I suspect that it might get a little bit uh, more into the fictionalised version of what was going on in her head. But I think she did do a blog uh, and wrote about it as well, so maybe it's pretty true to her original story, but it looks good. Okay, uh, and it's got um, an interesting um, supporting cast, including um, uh, Anna Paquin and Cliff Curtis playing her parents. Anna Paquin has been in loads yeah. and loads of things people know. Cliff Curtis is a name that not many people would know, but if you saw him, you go, oh, in, in uh, from yes. that, because yeah, yeah. he's, yeah. he's in everything. He's in everything. Character actors are great, aren't they? You look at him and go, I've seen that guy in something, and you just have to Google them. Yeah, And, and he's go, a guy, oh. he plays so many different ethnicities in movies, and I saw him in an interview once, because he's actually from New Zealand, right. and so he's, I guess 
he's got Maori, Maori ancestry, yeah. but because he's somewhat dark skinned, right. he gets cast for you know Middle Eastern and and oh. and you know Asian sometimes and all sorts that, of different things. I wonder if that'll continue though, because you know how people get a bit bent out of shape if you cast the wrong <laughs> character. I got um, a feeling that that is happening less so these days. Is it? Or, or, or because of the pressure of yeah. of now doing that, I, I suspect that things are being sort of um maybe Almost people are being, a bit yeah yeah they're being a bit more sensitive in their casting maybe yeah. but but he he over the and he's been in, if you saw the guy you would you'd know who i mean straight yeah, away and you think yeah. oh i saw him playing a middle eastern terrorist once i saw yeah. him doing this and when you hear his real voice he's a new zealander oh. you know and uh Not yeah good for him good eye, mate. Yeah. He's, you know <laughs> Yeah, good eye, mate. I'm a Middle Eastern terrorist. Yeah, terrorist, as they say in <laughs> New Zealand. I've yeah. been to New Zealand. It's a fabulous place. And, yeah, uh, they do have a distinct accent. It's different to Australia. Yeah, that's what I did. Did you not hear? Yeah, that? yeah no, I picked it up. I yeah. picked up on Thank that. You. Yeah, I, put, I, put I thought a Kiwi would walk past the door and said, "Good eye, mate." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, True Spirit is uh, <laughs> the it's out uh, on Netflix on the third of February, and it does look the the the, the images of the ocean scenes look, oh, look, look very good. impressive, yeah, don't they? They do. Scary space. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, as we say, they're out on Netflix uh, on the third of February. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Whenever um, award-winning, I don't know yeah, if you won really, an award. I, I'm not no. really. I was nominated no. for one once, but you know, it was a long time ago. Got, so, a, got a twenty-five you know, meters swimming I'm like, certificate. I'm like that amazing footballer who's won no medals. You know, I'm the right. Alan Shearer of the literary world. Is that although it? he right, did okay. win our medal? <laughs> you must have got something for something. You not got uh, a swimming certificate? Uh, my my sort of non-award claim to fame is that my first book was named as one of the top five thrillers of the year. Forget the literary by the stuff. Times newspaper. Have you not got a swimming certificate at home somewhere? Uh, probably. There you 20, go. Twenty-five meters. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you've won. That, that'll do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like it was measured in meters in your day. But anyway, <laughs> who are you kidding? Twenty-five splashes. I think yeah, it was called yeah, back then. Yeah. Three you fathoms. Keep, you, you keep that with all your GCSE certificates, do you? Yeah, yeah they were all levels. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. exactly. Yes, the ordinary levels. Hence my point. Um, anyway, Indeed, yeah. I was conceding your point <laughs> that I am that elderly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, elderly author Howard Lindsay, aging author. Yes, yeah. not, not aging well. <laughs> Decrepit. Um, yes, but thankfully his books age better than he does. So That's bear true. that in mind. That's very you? true. When you're looking yes. for something, they'll uh, be there long after I'm gone. But yes, Alan, 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 Alan Howard. Shearer. You mentioning Alan Shearer, <laughs> Howard Linsky, Newcastle's second favourite son, indeed, um, yes. is here with us, uh, and uh, and we get to the point in the show where, and this is the point I I quite enjoy. I'm not that I'm saying I don't enjoy the other parts, <laughs> but but I'm always yeah. intrigued because Alan, Alan, Alan. Yeah, I mean I don't Alan. mind if you want to call me Alan, but I thought I was a senile one, not you. You're younger than me. <laughs> but Howard picks a film that is deemed. Too good to be forgotten, or to do it properly. Too good to be forgotten. That's how it's done, Max Hartington. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, th- th- this is uh, where where Howard picks a film that is too good to be forgotten, and, and he comes up with some classics. Occasionally, it's one I've seen, and I'm delighted to then revisit it, and, and then other times, it's one I am not aware of. And today's film falls into the category of one I'm not aware of. You see, this is always the challenge. I do try and pick out a good one, but also but it, thinking, if you don't know it, that, and you know your movies, then this proves it is mm. too good to be forgotten. But it links mm. that a cast member links to someone we've already talked about. Oh. Um, I always panic you when you say that because then I have to oh my god what was it we said <laughs> well you, t- you, you talk about the movie and then see if while we're talking yeah. it comes to you okie dokie mate I will do so um, yeah it's called The Hot Spot and for those who are unfamiliar which is probably many people it's from 1990 and it's uh, a nice noiry crime story um, I joked earlier about small town America and the fact that, you know, either you, if you go to a small town in America, either there'd be vampires there or possibly a femme fatale 
who uh, you know wants you to kill her husband. That's exactly what happens in the hotspot. So I trailed the movie in a way. This one was directed by Dennis Hopper. Ah. People. Yeah, interestingly. Based on a 1953 novel called Hell Hath No Fury by a guy called Charles Williams. Um, and he co-wrote the screenplay. Uh, now, the cast, Don Johnson, uh, Virginia Madsen, and the brilliant Jennifer Connolly, who's quite young, obviously 32 years ago. And Don Johnson plays a drifter called Harry Maddox, who takes a job as a used car salesman in a small town. It's a small Texas town in this case. And it's a, it's a hot place uh, in the summer heat, hence the title, The Hotspot. He develops an interest in Gloria Harper, who works at a car dealership, and that's Jennifer Connolly. She's a, obviously quite a bit younger than Don Johnson. Um, meanwhile, Dolly Harshaw, who's married to the dealer's owner, flirts with Harry, and they begin a torrid affair. So he's got two women on the go, one that he's keen on and one that he's just messing around with, effectively. And then Harry learns that the bank staff in the local town are also all volunteer firemen. So he manages to lure them away from the bank with a fire, and while they're gone, he robs the bank. Then he enters the burning building to save a man who's trapped inside. Despite this, that's a different building, not the bank. Uh, Despite this, the town sheriff suspects Harry of committing the robbery, but Dolly gives him an alibi and tells him she'll sell him out, unless, get this, he kills her husband. When he refuses, Dolly threatens to expose the truth. Bam, bam, bam. And the husband ends up dead. And, uh, yeah, we take it from there. And it's really, really good. So it's a, it's a very neo-noir much... Neo-noir gem. I was going to say, yeah, so very, like, yeah, neo-noir, mo- mm. that, that kind of thing. I do like that sort of thing. Sort of sometimes way, yeah. it's done terribly, but sometimes it it's done wonderfully. Um, but but yeah. this was a film I was not aware of before. And this would have been, uh, I guess, pretty much at Don Johnson's height, wouldn't it, of his, yeah, of, so of his uh, Miami Vice stardom. Yeah, post-Miami Vice, and he did some but movies, just, a lot of which weren't that great, to be but honest. But I think this yeah. was only just at the end of his Miami yeah, Vice. In fact, so. Miami Vice might still have been on in this country it, that yes, time. Yes, it might well have done, yeah. And I, I just remember going, I might, I, it may have been that I went into this with relatively low expectations, because I'm like, well, Don Johnson, I wasn't really keen on the Miami Vice persona that he had but in this he plays a far more buttoned down and slightly grizzled um, you know travelling character uh, Virginia Madsen's really good in it and um, Jennifer Connelly is there's a young Jennifer Connelly she's always good I think yeah. and she was good in this so check it out it's a good neo-noir movie okay so this links to because yeah. I can see you, 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 you've I'm not still quite there yet. No. no it's not that it's not that tenuous for me either as a link okay. we mentioned Antonio Banderas earlier yes. who was married to Melanie Griffith Oh, Don Johnson. Who was married. Yeah, yeah. Also, right with you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don Johnson, who was also married to Melanie yeah. Griffith. I need to explain to him at my age. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like, are you, are you, yeah, have you had your cup of tea yet? That sort of, that's the kind yeah. of way you need to explain things to me. So apparently yeah, in a recent you. interview, Don Johnson spoke very fondly of this film. He thought it was very well done. Oh, yeah. um, at the time, he was blamed for it being a flop by, oh. by Dennis Hopper, who said that Don what? Johnson did nothing to promote the film oh. and apparently refused to unless the film had good reviews. Then he might go out and... But it's oh, like right. chicken and egg, isn't it? Isn't you don't it? do yeah, one, you may, yeah. not, may not get the other. I think it probably did get some decent reviews. Cause I'm sure it did at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a very good movie. But. Oh, it might have got decent reviews. I don't think it did very well. No, 
Um, uh, but uh, but uh, I've read a thing here as well that Dennis Hoffer said of working with Don Johnson he said he wasn't that bad uh, but he had a lot of people with him he came to this film (laughs) with two bodyguards a cook a trainer a helicopter pilot um, uh, two drivers a secretary and his own hair person and his own makeup person and his own wardrobe person is it any wonder that these guys occasionally go bankrupt you know you imagine you're making millions per movie but you turn up with an entourage like that well you can imagine because somebody like him I mean I think Don Johnson has has had very much a renaissance hasn't he? Yeah. And, you know he was great in Knives Out, and he and, and he's yeah. he's done some other movies recently, and he's really found a niche, yeah. hasn't he, for <clears throat> himself? But I can imagine back then that he was believing his own hype. I would, yes, it's probably not unfair to say that, bearing in mind that he'd been in this TV show that did really, really well yeah. for quite a while, and uh, they get a lot of money per episode. But wow. He must have spent a few quid. Yeah. Years if he's got all those guys on his payroll. And also, he did a couple of movies in the 90s that did not do very well no. and then sort of went into obscurity for yeah, several years. Yeah, he did a yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, but I think it's great he's back. And, and yeah. stuff I've seen him in the last few years, I think he's really showing that he's more than just a pretty boy from the 90s. Sometimes it takes even. these guys to outgrow their, uh, sorry, outgrow is the right word, their looks, yeah. age out of their looks in order to get a bit of depth around them. Because so. he was in, um, uh, was it Django Unchained, wasn't he? And he was oh, in yeah. Knives Out. And, yeah, Knives uh, Out, yeah. Yeah, he, it, yeah. he's done um, other films. I was trying to think, there was a really good one I saw, and I cannot think of its name now. Uh No, I'm, I'm looking down in a list and I can't see it there. That's the thing Col- with his. <clears throat> Cold in July, that was it, from 2014. And uh, that that was a really good sort of um, uh, movie. Uh, and I'm trying to think was who else was in it now. That rings a bell. Was that also crimey? Am I getting? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And one. it had yeah. the guy in it from um, Dexter. Uh, Michael C. Hall was in it as right. well. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah Don Johnson played back. Jim Bob. Jim Bob. <laughs> For the Waltons. Yeah. And, uh, Sam, when Waltons go bad. Sam, Sam Shepard was also in it. Um, yes, yeah. that's right. I do remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A crime thriller, it says here. But it, uh, I thought Don Johnson was very good in it. Yeah, uh, I do remember that one. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there you go. So a, a yeah, Don Johnson movie hotspot. from 1990, <clears throat> The Hot yeah. Spot. Thank you, Howard. We'll have his choice of films on Free to Air TV right after this. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Let's look at Howard Linsky's choice of the best films to watch on free to air TV for the week ahead. We start off with Friday, the 3rd of February, uh, technically into the wee small hours of Saturday morning, but only a little bit, uh, 12.55 a.m. on great movies. We have the film version of the acclaimed TV series, Callan. Yes, Callan. I love Callan. I really enjoyed the TV series. and One of those ones that I remember watching when I was younger and I got the DVD and watched the episodes again years and years later and it aged pretty well. Um, for those unfamiliar, or even for those who are familiar, Callan is played by Edward Woodward, 
and he um, is basically an assassin, but like an, an intelligence agent for um, the Secret Intelligence Services of the UK. And he, he does all the dirty jobs when people need dispatching for whatever reason. So the movie version happens a couple of years after the series, which ran from 67 to 72. This is 1974. Um, at this point, Callan is in retirement as, as kind of lost... Well, they describe it as lost his nerve, but it's kind of almost like a PTSD type thing that he suffers from at this point. And he's called back in to assassinate a German businessman called Schneider. He's played... Um, well, actually, I was going to say he's played by Eric Porter, but got got that wrong. That's Colonel Hunter. His uh, employer is played by Eric Porter. Um, and he returns. He promises to return Callan to active service if he follows his orders, but Callan refuses to act in terms of killing the guy until he knows exactly why Schneider has been marked for death. And that is your plot, and it's very good. Yeah. Well, I was watching. Edward Wood, good as ever. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's great. And th- this was the part that made him in, in the UK. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so so this this movie, I mean, it sounds a bit cheap these days, but it was actually a remake of the yes, pilot episode. It was, so yeah. the story uh-huh. had already been seen by British audiences once. Yeah, because they in would the mid-60s, I yeah. guess, you know, 66. And, because I think you know, it starts, I think Callan started out as a one-off thing on, yeah. on, a, on an anthology series, a play for today That's type right. of thing. Yeah. And <clears throat> this was this was the episode this that they the made. That people liked and they went, and so Callan had quite a good life. It went on for a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's worth checking out this one. And in the early seventies, there was a slew of these sort of um, adaptations, weren't there, of, yeah. of of popular TV series and comedies, but also things like The Sweeney. Yeah, you know, and, and they, they were quite good. good. Movies, they so were quite were. good. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, Edward Woodward is very compelling, very good in the role. It's a really interesting role. He's not just some cold assassin. He's an assassin or agent with doubts. <laughs> He's clearly an incredibly tough guy um, who's done things in the war. Uh, the Korean War in this case, and then he, he's admitted to the um, Secret Services but becomes very disillusioned because he's used as a blunt instrument. And um, he also, his, his character that he hangs out with, Lonely, is a fabulous creation as well. Yeah. The sleazy and rather smelly guy, Lonely, who has to come up with things to help uh, Callan do his work. His sort of connection great, to the underworld, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that's Lonely. right. It's a very well-described uh, uh, phrase. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't know if this is just me, but probably not, because it's, I doubt it's an original idea, but it felt like Callan was a little bit like Harry Palmer on TV. Yeah. Because you're right, Michael Caine yeah. created Harry Palmer, or, or no, Len Dayton created Harry Palmer, but, yes. but Michael Caine depicted him on t- on, on the big I screen, mean, and he was like the opposite end of James Bond. Yes, the wasn't antithesis it? of James yeah. Bond. You know that sort of. Um, it's not glamorous. It's not about martinis, shirk and not stirred, and women. In. It's not yeah. about it. the fighting might occur in both movies, but there's a bit more glamour to it. Very the Bond. low rent, wasn't he, in comparison? Yeah, and in shabby raincoat so, yeah. guy, you know, walking through the yeah. streets of London with rain coming down. <laughs> yeah. It's that sort of thing. And Callan um, had a similar feel, mate. I don't yes, know if that's being did, a bit yeah. unfair on, on. No, I think you're right. I think the only difference being that the Callan character is way more of an assassin, whereas the Michael Caine, um, Harry Palmer character is. Uh, Equally, he's come out of prison because I think Callan has a spell in prison yeah. before he becomes an agent. But he's less of the blunt instrument, more of a. He starts out in the black market, doesn't he? And he, mm. uh, the Harry Palmer character, and he's arrested for that. So he's got wits and he's got an element of toughness about him, but he's not a full on guy you wouldn't want to meet down a dark alley. He's more like um, vulnerable, I suppose. Yeah. Now, more recently as well, Callan has been adapted for radio. 
don't know if oh. you'd be aware of this. There's, a, there's a, a production company called Big Finish who have been making a lot of Doctor Who audio adventures. And they all end up on Radio 4. And they they also did The Prisoner recently, you oh, know, the, right. the Patrick McGrew <clears throat> thing. Yeah. And they've done Callan. And I cannot remember the name of the actor who plays Callan on the radio adaptations, but the guy who plays Lonely is Frank Skinner. Oh, really? And he's really good. <coughs> oh, wow. That's he's really good. I did not know that, so yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you can maybe sometimes hear it on Radio 4, and you might oh. be able to find it online in other places. But, yeah, they've I'll done they've done a few series now of Callan as a... Uh, ben Miles, I think, is the actor who plays right. Callan. But, but <coughs> yes, it's Lonely stands out because it's, it's Frank wow, Skinner. Wow, that is good casting, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting but, casting, certainly. Anyway, uh, the, the, the movie Callan, uh, you know, inspired by the TV series, featuring some of the same people from the TV series... Uh, is on Great Movies, uh, Friday the 3rd of February, or technically into the Saturday morning, 12.55am. We move to um, a film for Saturday, which is technically into the wee small hours of Sunday know, morning. I'm sorry to keep doing this to you. There's at least three that are on after midnight, but, you know, yeah. there's still a scene. You wouldn't say you'd got up on... Um, you know the, the following day to watch it you, you stay up to watch it I think that's it. how you determine it is it a film yeah. you'd stay up for or get up yeah. early for that determines it so this is one you'd this stay up it. late for Saturday very late Saturday night one twenty-five am on BBC2 on uh, the Saturday the 4th of February it's What We Do in the Shadows yes another another reference for New Zealand we mm. uh, mentioned earlier What We Do in the Shadows is a, a mockumentary so a bit like Spinal Tap that kind of thing but it, oh, it's absolutely brilliant it's a horror horror comedy film and it follows uh, a flat share involving vampires. So the vampires that live together, and uh, the documentary crew follow them around as they as it like you like you would, um, and uh, it's some peril to themselves as well. Uh, it's written and directed by uh, Jermaine Clement and oh, I never know how to pronounce it, but Tyka is it YTT? Yeah, who has gone on to great things since, obviously, and um, uh, you know uh, different movies. But this particular film. Um, stars them both along with uh, Jonathan Brew, Brent Fransham and Corey Gonzalez Machia and the film's plot concerns um, you know, how they adapt to a modern world so they've all been created as vampires in different periods of history uh, one I think is 2,000 years old and adapts rather less well uh, and it also it shows their interaction with the local werewolves and uh, they have um, the dialogue just uh, honestly it makes you laugh out loud and the way um, they are attempting to wrestle with the demands of the modern world is part of it. And it it was so well received that it then led to the spin-off TV series that some people might be very familiar with. Yes, which so I, I gather is still on now, isn't it? Yeah, they're good. The TV series is good, but I think the original movie is just an absolute breath of fresh air. Yeah. You, you know, so check that one out. And I think that the guy, um, uh, Taiki Waititi, is... is yeah. <laughs> yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, him. Uh, he, that, <coughs> yeah. TW, as we call him. In yeah, the yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, but but he, he's 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 very good. He's got a yeah. great sense of humour, and and some of his movies as well that he has made. Uh, so he was, I believe, the people who were involved with him and the others, because there were two of them who wrote and directed it, were to do with the TV series that was very well acclaimed called Flight of the Concords. Oh yes, yeah. I, I think it's the same people behind that. Right. But um, but yes. Uh, after what we do in the shadows, uh, he went on to do um, Hunt for the Wilder People, which yeah. is a wonderful movie with um. Sam Neill in it uh, and then Jojo Rabbit which was quite a a, a a daring movie wasn't it yeah daring and weird in a sense yeah the, the subject matter yeah 
And then he's gone proper big because yeah. then he went on to do one of the Thor movies. That's right. And yeah. appears in it. So he's now also a voice actor in the Marvel Universe. Oh, he he is the voice of one of the characters. Was it the Rag- Ragnarok thing that he did? Or am I getting mixed up? Uh, Probably. No, I, I think <coughs> you're right. I, I think he's. Um, I think he might even have directed a couple of the um, those movies as well. I'm just trying to yeah, quickly keep look down his list. Put you on the spot. Yeah. Exactly. He certainly did the most recent one from last year, Thor, Love, Love and yeah. Thunder. And, you know what? Saw, and he did Ragnarok. So what was weird about that, I thought Ragnarok was very funny and very yeah. good. And the most recent one, not so. And I came out of that one going, oh, that wasn't as good. And I wasn't the only one. No. So opinion was a bit more negative on that. And he just... I think he tried to overdo the comedy, perhaps, and it just became pretty absurd. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're always going to be a little on the absurd side because we're talking superheroes, but it just didn't work. But Ragnarok was hilarious, so I don't quite know what went wrong there. Yeah. Uh, He's also um, been involved with The Mandalorian, um, and he directed one of those and and appeared, I think... Involved with The Mandalorian, the dating, or...? (laughs) (laughs) The TV series, The Mandalorian. Uh, And he is working on the TV series of Time Bandits, which is from the Terry Gilliam... Terry Gilliam movie, movie all those years ago yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's the director of the next Star Wars movie whatever that may be he's quite busy yeah, yeah yes and he seems to now be doing really big things but yeah. but this is kind of where he became most well known to most people I think was uh, what we do in the shadows yes which, that was a breakout for him I think yeah, yeah. which is uh, yeah Howard's Choice for Saturday it's uh, on on BBC 2 1.25am technically into Sunday morning don't turn up a day early you'll miss it yeah <laughs> uh, good advice but <clears throat> Sunday proper um, is uh, we have uh, the 5th of February 9pm on film for The Iceman yeah this is an interesting one because it is based on a true story and it's relatively accurate um, the way they've done it so uh, I don't know if you've heard of Richard Kuklinski who's played by Michael Shannon in this one uh, very well played by him so he was an interesting figure because he was a, a basically a mafia hitman but not your archetypal um member of you know the sicilian mafia that grows up in that world and his family are aware of what's going on this guy was a family man with a wife and a couple of daughters and they did not know what he was doing for a living and he he murdered dozens and dozens of people uh and because he was very good at it basically and an absolute psychopath and ended up going to prison for a very long time never seeing his family again eventually dying in prison but this is the story of how he came to be in that world and uh I suppose, like a lot of successful people at what they do, um, he got his big break to kill someone and got very good at it, and they kept employing him. So there you go, and it's for real. Uh, but, you know, a lot of victims of the man called the Iceman, Richard Kuklinski. Yeah, and uh, Michael Shannon, I always think he's quite a sinister-looking character. He is. He's, he, Whatever yeah. he does. Yes, even when he's playing just like the the husband did something. Yeah. You know, he's still the, There's something about him. slightly unhinged look about him. He does yeah. creep me out a little bit, which yeah. which I guess is good, really. You know, he shows he's got he's got yeah, range. He, he's got particularly depth. when he's playing a character like this, he's, you know, he's got... Uh, well, he's believable, I suppose. Yeah. Testimony to his talent, not his weirdness. Sorry, Michael, but there you go. <laughs> I'm sure you're very nice and real. Oh, yeah. Real life, yeah. You know, I'd yeah. buy you a pint. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I wouldn't dare not to buy him a pint. No, he actually. looks like a big, imposing character, he doesn't does, he? He does, yeah. Anyway, that's The Iceman, 9pm on Film 4, Sunday the 5th of February. We move to Monday the 6th of February, 9pm on ITV4. It's all about the fours. Uh, and it is. Uh, the, the first of four movies, this one Indeed. as well. So another yeah. four in there. It's the original 1979 Mad Max. Yeah, I just thought, I haven't seen it in ages, but I seem to recall you know, it at the, well, maybe not at the time, probably on, on VHS slightly after the time because I wasn't that old. But um, yeah, so I couldn't get in the cinema for this one, but it was the original Australian dystopian 
film that then spawned numerous um, sequels right yeah. up until relatively recently. This is the one played by Mel Gibson. So he plays Max Rokotansky, who is a police officer turned vigilante. And the idea is that society's near to collapse at this point, um, particularly because the cost of things like petrol has gone rocketing. Imagine uh, that. Imagine that, yeah. I mean, probably I would imagine the cost of heating went up and everyone was probably on strike, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we're getting there. We're close to Mad Max at the moment. Uh, but anyway... Uh, he plays a tough cop and basically it's, I suppose, a vigilante kind of thing in a way. Yes. But he avenges people who are killed, including well, well, members no, of his family. Well, well it's, it's his own family, isn't <clears> it? Yes, and, one, and, so. a, and his partner, well, a partner or colleague in that sort of police force that he's part of because it's a, it's a sort of underfunded, almost amateur-style police force that yeah. he's part of. And he has a fast car that he's given. It, isn't it basically like bikers kill his wife and his kid yes. and he goes berserk? Yeah, it's like Death Wish, but in... The Australian yeah. desert rather than New York. Yeah. He and, goes a bit nuts. And, and that uh, whole post-apocalyptic <clears throat> wasteland yeah. has never looked like more sparse and scary and, and, and effective than, than in this movie. Yeah, big open spaces. And uh, obviously it went on to be massive. And yeah. I suppose it's a bit like a, you know, a low-budget movie like The Terminator where it does so well that it then spawns much yeah. bigger Hollywood-style sequels and makes stars out of the leading man and the director. Yeah. George to to an extent as well, I think I think it probably bears comparison with the Fast and the Furious. The very first oh, movie yeah. was um, was <clears throat> low budget, was un- relatively unknown stars, and uh, and yet the last one you told me they shot scenes on the moon. That must have cost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. To be fair, I think it's probably the worst film series that's ever existed. But but, but I seem to be wrong because well, everyone loves them. I, you know, I couldn't hold my hand up. I've never seen any of them because it's not really my thing. The first one. I'm not being snobby. I just wasn't very interested in these cars flying. Around. Around, you know, it it, uh, it it massively jumped the shark because the first right. one was about street racing and street yes. racers, yeah. and, and then an undercover FBI agent who's trying to infiltrate the the gang. But it it went well. It's become kind of Mission Impossible esque. They get sent out on yeah. missions now all over the world, and it must the, be in their defence. After a few movies, you say, well, how on earth are we going to take this? To yeah, the next where can level? we go next? Like, well, yeah. Know, what do they do? Join the Foreign Legion? I yeah, mean, you know. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, Mad Max, what a great film. Wonderfully directed by George Miller and an outstanding performance from Mel Gibson. And I have a little shout out as well because I, I talked about this movie oh, yes. no, no, recently. Me- mention that bit next. So yeah, so yes. let me just say, so Mad Max is on 9pm on ITV4, Monday the 6th of February. But as a bonus treat, yeah. uh, you are mentioning another movie on, on Monday as well. A bonus you? track, yeah. To Live and Die in LA, which I can't pronounce apparently. To Live and Die in LA. We talked about it as too good to be forgotten a little while ago and lo and behold it's on film four that same night Monday the 6th of February at 11.05 so I won't bang on about it I already did that just check it out great and the timing of it should be you should be able to watch all of Mad Max and then flick over because Mad Max can't be more than two hours long I wouldn't have thought so So you know commercials uh, yeah maybe but you could probably and yeah you know you know what ITV God bless them when they put a movie on at nine and it doesn't end till nearly midnight because they've sandwiched the news in the middle as well. And there, 14 commercial breaks. There is that. But, but it's on ITV4, so you probably don't have the news. But nonetheless, yeah, film four, To Live and Die in yeah, LA check them both out, is yeah. 11.05 on the same night. Two for one there on yeah. Monday. Let's move to Tuesday the 7th of February, 11.15pm on BBC2. Film stars don't die in Liverpool. Or to put it another way, film stars don't die in Liverpool. Um, there you go. Wow, so that, just that was in. Howard Linsky who yeah, did that. You yeah, see, I'm available at very cheap rates. Yes. Too. If you can't afford a real Scouser, I'm here. Anyway, it's a 2017 biographical romantic drama film, it's described as, directed by Paul McGuigan. Uh, 
interesting cast with Annette Benning in the lead role and Jamie Bell. And this is uh, another one based on a true story. There's quite a few of them around at the moment. Supporting class cast includes Vanessa Redgrave and Julie Walters. And it's based on the memoir of a man called Peter Turner. It's a true story that he wrote about his relationship in Liverpool with uh, an Oscar-winning actress called Gloria Graham. And I'm familiar with Gloria Graham because one of my favourite movies is It's a Wonderful Life. And she plays uh, in it not the girl that George Bailey ends up with, but the other girl. There's two girls at the beginning of the movie who are young and they grow up in the movie. One of them's a bit flighty and wants to leave town at one point. That girl, that's played by Gloria Graham. And uh, she she won an Academy Award later on. And then years later, she was in uh, Liverpool and she got cancer. Uh, after not long after meeting this guy and stayed there and did indeed die in Liverpool um, and it's a fascinating and weird story about a Hollywood star ending up there um, for various reasons uh, and he had a relationship with her so he was just a normal guy really in uh, in Liverpool and he had okay. this uh, fling with a, um, an Oscar winning actress like you do and brought her home to meet mum and the family and stuff and she liked it there um, and, and I guess the other thing as well, which uh, is quite astounding as well, is, is quite you know the age gap between them as well. Yes, because, the uh, age gap, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Bell must be, what, a good 30, 40 years younger than? Probably, yes. I think it must do. And I think the mass in, the, in terms of the real relationship was not that dissimilar. I think there was uh, 25 years between them at least, possibly more. Yeah. Uh, she'd had quite a life. I think she also, weirdly, from memory, and I, I, I don't think I've got this wrong, she married a guy at one point before this and then had a relationship with his son, which caused some consternation in their household. And I think she might have even married the son at one point, but she definitely had a relationship with him. So she lived she lived pretty hard and fast, I think. And, uh, 28 years between um, Jamie Bell and Annette well, Benning. What, what the age gap is between the characters, I don't know. I think it was similar. Yeah. yeah. Because I did read up about it at the time, five years ago when the movie came out. And I have seen the movie. It's worth a watch. It's interesting and quite. And she's Annette Benning's very good, and Jamie Bell's good too. And yeah, and Julie Waters is in it, isn't yeah, she? That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's uh, film stars don't die in Liverpool, which is uh, Tuesday's movie, seventh of February, eleven fifteen p.m. BBC Two. Uh, an underrated classic is your next choice, I believe. Yes. Um, yes Wednesday, so. the eighth of February, twelve thirty-five a.m. on ITV Four. So technically into Thursday morning, Indeed. but it's Wednesday's movie. It's Rocky Balboa. Do you know which, what? Oh, which is the sixth movie in the it Rocky is. franchise. Now, I, I'll sort of admit this to, because I was looking at the movies that day. I didn't want to give up and I found this one. And I thought, do you know what? I haven't seen this. So I saw it. I watched it just a couple of days ago. And um, because the reviews are great on it. And yeah. my view on the Rocky movies is that the first one was brilliant. Second one was okay. You know, it was pretty good. Um, third one, you know, all right, Mr. T, fine. Then it got just silly. Number four and number five, I was not... I didn't even watch five. It got slated. So the idea behind this one was... That even Stallone was unhappy with Rocky Five, which yeah. came out in 1990. So this is 16 years later, 2006. And honestly, having watched it very recently for the first time, I can only compare the sentiment behind it a little bit like the Top Gun Maverick idea, that the character's a bit washed up. He's not as arrogant as he was before. Or when, well, not that Rocky Balboa was particularly arrogant, but he's de- on a bit of a downer. And you get far more about philosophizing about his life and his attitude to life and the people around him and they're all aging and he's got a tricky relationship with his son and there's no punches thrown for the first hour i don't think you even hear the training montage da, 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 music for the first hour it's all about <coughs> rocky and his life um adrian um, the girlfriend who becomes the wife 
in the early movies. He was married to her for a long time. Um, she has gone. She's died of cancer. He's coping with that. He is basically, he owns a restaurant and he's a host. And like a lot of former sports stars, people come to his restaurant because they want to hear him tell stories about his glory days. So that's what he does every night. He's like, yeah, and then I hit this guy and then he came back up and he did it. And that's what he does. He's like an entertainer, but not very happy. And there's another little interesting twist in it that you may vaguely remember in possibly the first Rocky movie. I think it was the first. He walks a young girl home who's only about 10 or 11 because he tries to get her out of a gang of kids who are, you know, doing up to no good and she's smoking at a very young age and he thinks she's going to go, you know, to rack and ruin. And he walks her home and just before she walks into the house, she turns around and swears at him and insults him. And he's like, oh, yeah, great. It's like... 40 years later, literally. Oh, no, it should be 30 years later. Sorry, my mass is out. Um, she's back in it as a grown woman. And um, he helps her and her kid. And they don't have a relationship. They don't have a romance. It's just she's living in squalor with this kid, but she's a decent person. And he reminds her of what what, what happened the last time uh, when he walked home. And she doesn't have any recollection of this. She's working as a barmaid. Um, and I don't know. I Just the fact that they focus on the characters. The dialogue is really good. There's a lot of thoughtful stuff about life and the meaning of life and why why bother, why try, why do anything. And I really liked it. I don't know. Did You, you said it was classic. Didn't oh, you like yeah. It? I love this movie. For, for all the reasons that you've said there. Oh, um, I'm glad we're in agreement. It, yeah. yeah it, it very much makes up for the missteps of Rocky V. Good. Yeah. It, it tells a very different story in a very different way. And it, it, it you know tells a story about this, this tragic guy who was the champion, but now owns a restaurant, dines yep. out every night with his client, with the customers in his restaurant on yep. the stories of the good old days, telling the same story night Which after night. Which must happen to a lot of sports. Yeah, but he <clears throat> he seems to be oblivious to that. He <clears throat> seems to be enjoying it. And he doesn't, you, you mentioned about him being unhappy. He is very unhappy, but he's unhappy because he misses his wife. Yes, correct. And it's and the loss of his and wife. Him, his son and he have a strained relationship. Yeah. And I love this, t- toward the end of the movie, he gives his son a bit of a telling off. He tells his son that he thinks his son is amazing and had all the potential, but he's always... He's basically tells him after having a bit of a whinge yeah. because he's Rocky's son and there's this great shadow. And, and he basically says, which is a bit of a mantra of mine, life ain't fair, mate. You know? yeah. Life's bit not that great at times and you've got a battle and it's very, yeah. very good. And, and yeah, it, and, it's very well done. It's very sensitively written at, yep. and by Stallone and directed by Stallone as well. It was his first movie in 21 years wow. that he directed. And do you know what? We... And deliberately, probably, we both have we've both not even mentioned the the premise of the plot, which is that he comes back and has another fight. And what what that's about is that the current heavyweight champion, Mason Dixon, hilariously named yeah. Mason Dixon, <clears throat> is uh, unpopular because he's just fighting people who aren't very good. So all of his fights aren't very interesting. And the idea is to have an exhibition match. Yeah, so, so what they, much older guy who's a bit like a George Foreman. Well, what character. they do that it may not be mentioned in your notes, but they actually, on, on an American sports show, they use a computer simulation yes, that's it. to pitch yeah. like boxers at their peak against one Different another throughout eras. history. Yeah. And the one that came out on top was Rocky Balboa. Yeah. And when they used a computer simulation against Mason Dixon, the current heavyweight world champion, he, he annihilated Rocky. Rocky. Rocky annihilated him yeah and, that's and, right and yeah and so he's kind of saying you know oh that's ridiculous that's and then rubbish. before you know it it's slightly ridiculous it is, that but. Rocky <clears throat> comes back into the ring but I saw Stallone in an interview at the time saying it was no more ridiculous than when George Foreman yes I just said George Foreman yeah. he was I mean he really okay he came back when he was in his 40s but he went on for quite a long while yeah 
and he was a grandfather when he stepped back into yeah. the ring, you know, and fought against yeah twenty year old Mike Tyson, yeah. who incidentally is in the movie playing himself. Yeah, there's a great cameo of him sledging the current world heavyweight champion. Yeah, um, and also yeah, the the fact so he brought back that character Little Marie from the very yes. first movie. He was only in the scene for like a minute, you know, That's in right. the first movie. Different actress, uh, but, yes. but brought yeah. her back. But the other person who works in his restaurant, who who is his I don't know what they call them in America. Is it the bellboy or something? The guy, oh, who, the guy who uh, does washes all the dishes. Yeah. yeah, is is a character called Spider Rico, That's right. who was the very first person in Rocky that he fought. Because you see uh, him in a local bout, and he's fighting against Spider. And you it's know the what same I love that. So I'm glad you knew that because I watched it, as I said, just two days ago, and I, I, there was references to him fighting, and even uh, the brother-in-law who's in it again a lot in the movie. Said, "Did you knock that bum out once?" And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he eats every night for free in the restaurant. And in the end, he, or in, halfway through the movie, he starts doing the washing up. And yeah. St- Stallone's character, Balboa's like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, let me do the washing up at least. And he's, he's gone all religious as well. And uh, yeah, the, the former boxer. It's some lovely touches. And that's why it reminded me of Top Gun Maverick, the way you bring back characters 30 odd years later. And they're there, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah. So he does that two or three times. Yeah. And it and works so, uh, really well. And if you're a fan of the original one, it, it really pays homage to it, doesn't it? It does. Because it's it, very it, similar. It, it honours your fandomness, or yeah. whatever the word would be, because it's, it's even those the people bout when they, when they treat it like, well, Rocky, you probably, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. So what you've got to do is quite limited. Yeah. yeah. You've got to take as many punches as possible and knock this guy off his yeah. feet. You've you just got to hit him hard. Yeah. Because you, you, you're going to get absolutely pummeled. <laughs> I wonder he talks slightly slurry. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's a great, um, there's a great moment as well, and again, it's a, it's a lovely nod to the original movie and kind of taking the Mickey out of the original movie because there's a bit where um, he gets up very, very early in the morning, which of course it mirrors what happened in the original thing. Yep. When you see him start the training, training montage, thing, and he yeah. and he get he gets the eggs and he cracks oh, yeah. them into the glass as he does in the original movie. He gulps it down and he nearly throws egg like oh that's oh, yeah. horrible. <laughs> and and that's such yeah. an iconic thing from the original movie that he drunk these raw eggs and you think that's wow right. that's yeah. horrible. And this time he's thinking I'm not doing that again. Yeah, no, I would very funny that. moment when Scrambled he scrambled first. Yeah, fine, but not. <laughs> <laughs> Not raw. Yeah. And of course, Stallone <laughs> went on to get more recognition for Rocky with the next movie, Krieg, where yeah. he got an Academy Award nomination. Yeah, it's incredible. But yeah, I felt that franchise. that, I don't think his performance in Creed was any better than this one, yeah, which I is think, why I think it was overlooked. It, it didn't get award recognition, but I think his performance as, as Rocky was I'm wonderful. guessing it was probably, even though it was very well reviewed and it went down well, um, 2006, you know, back then, it, because of the spectre of the previous Rocky Four, Rocky yeah. Five, hanging over it, it probably wasn't given uh, the mileage it should have got. I think you're right, and and it got it did win an award for being the biggest surprise of the year because I think yeah. it was well believed that oh this is just gonna be rubbish. What, why is he coming back to this after after sixteen yeah. years or so? And it, it was surprising, and I thought it was very human. And again, it, it made me feel exactly the way I felt when I saw Top Gun Maverick. I was actually not a massive fan of the first Top Gun movie because the characters were all incredibly arrogant and cocky and I loved the fact that the guy was not really you know he wasn't all that anymore he was still the rank that he was more or less the rank that he was in the first movie yeah. his, his career hadn't gone well and he was much more humble and I, lo- I loved that I thought yeah. it was really good that's, that's and that was surprising that was my film of the year last year I thought it was yeah. so good and a wonderful movie and I noticed it's getting an awful lot of Oscar recognition yeah, there you go. Which, uh, yeah. which I think it deserves but, but that's Top Gun Maverick so. this is Rocky Balboa 12.35am ICV4 that's the Wednesday pick uh, for Wednesday the 8th of February even though technically Thursday morning final film that we're going to mention Thursday the 9th of February 9pm on BBC4 on the basis of sex 
It yeah. ain't what you think. I know. A misleading title. You don't get too excited, guys, out there, or girls. On the Basis of Sex is a 2018 American biographical legal drama film, and it's based on the life and early cases of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and it was the, the case that made her name, really. She, she became uh, the second woman to serve on the United States Supreme Court. Um, died very recently, actually, mm. um, and very sort of under very public circumstances because it was all the controversy surrounding who would take over from her and whether it would be one of Donald Trump's picks. But that's not what this movie is about. This is about um, her life trying to get on in the legal world at a time when it was extremely difficult for a woman to do that and taking on a case that became a massive test case for women's rights. And the, the lead rule is played by Felicity Jones, who I think is always very, very good. She's great, She's isn't she? She's a good actress. Yeah. Um, Amy Hammer's in it, Justin Theroux. I'm trying to think of other names you may or may not Kathy know. Bates. Kathy Bates, obviously. And I always check with you because you always know guys I've never heard of because you will have seen them in something and restore, you know, stored it in your photographic memory. But um, there's, a, there's a reasonable ensemble cast supporting her, but Felicity Jones is the main uh, lead role in this, as the aforementioned Ruth Ginsburg. Um, and, a, a, and a very interesting life, I think, at a time when it was, as I said, very difficult for women to get the opportunities to stand out like she did. Uh, mm. So, um, yeah, well worth well worth a watch. Uh, the other name that people might know from it was uh, Sam Waterston, who was oh, in yeah. The Killing Fields and Law and Order on TV yeah, and things I like that. He was in that actually. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But even though I, yeah, sorry, I did put it in my notes, <laughs> but I missed it even reading back through my notes. <laughs> ah, you know, it's age; it's taken yeah. over me. Okay, my so, eyesight's good as well. <laughs> that's on the basis of sex. Uh, Nine PM, BBC Four on Thursday, the 9th of February. Howard Linsky, which of those films would be your film of the week? I'm going to go for Rocky Balboa. So that's good. It'd be interesting one. if it, you didn't, given that was the one we spent the yeah, longest talking about. <laughs> I get all enthused by. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Howard's film of the week. Uh, uh, the choices that Howard has suggested uh, for the films to watch on Free to Air TV are in the episode notes right now. Uh, thanks, Howard. Next week, uh, it's the return of Chris Aikman to the film guide. And uh, yeah, keep, keep up with us on the social media to find out more about what's happening on the old podcast shows. And we'll catch you again real soon. Say goodbye, Howard. Goodbye, Howard. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> That's not te- original. That's why you teed me up for it. <laughs> you don't normally ask me to say goodbye. You almost caught me by surprise, but I'm a professional. <laughs>